0: There we go. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tech Chat. Well, now it's Wednesday. So, Tech Chat Wednesdayslash Tuesdays for Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I'm Ken Rimple, uh, and I'm joined today by Michael Hewlett. Hi, Michael. Hey. Michael works for us at Cherry Solutions. We're going to talk about uh, his background with uh, iOS development and accessibility in a little bit. Um, we're going to start off real quick with some housekeeping today. First thing is um, on our chariot blog, we have a couple new uh, blog articles, one of which has just come out analyzing glue jobs with AWS X-ray. Uh, Keith Gregory did this particular uh, blog post. So if you want to go in and debug and see what's going on with an AWS glue job, he kind of sets you and steps you through it. Um, and you know, the reasons why it's hard to trace it and like what you can do uh, to trace uh, jobs through the system. Uh, like a Python shell job or something like that. So if you're doing AWS and you happen to be using Glue, that might be really useful for you. Um, Another thing coming up, and it's our big thing, I really want to address more than anything else, is our upcoming uh, uh, Philly Emerging Technologies for the Enterprise Conference 2023. We are getting to the point where we're getting close to selling out our in-person tickets. So right now, uh, I think we have a couple dozen left. uh, And when they go, there are no extras. There are are online only tickets as well uh, and the prices are very reasonable so um, if you look at the register now link you'll see that uh, i believe it's 150 i forget the numbers on here i should know this by heart by now but i can't remember anything there we go 150 or 425 at the moment so 425 uh, while i believe it's still early bird if i'm correct yes it says early access uh, is going to get you the in-person ticket as well as a live stream link if you happen to be running late or you can only make one day of the conference. If you can't come in in person, we have an unlimited number of live uh, tickets. So you can certainly purchase those and watch us remotely. We will be streaming all of the events. So you won't miss any of the talks. We'll be doing two tracks at a time and all of them will be online. Uh, and then you can go back and watch them later. We eventually do make them public for everybody to see. Uh, and so for example, there's the YouTube uh, link, hold on. You'd think I'd type this every time. <laughs> but at youtube.com slash cherry solutions, sorry, uh, you'll see playlists. And you can go in and see uh, all the ETE years that we have archived. Uh, also, there's a super playlist with tons and tons and tons of videos, with lots of speakers. Uh, this year, we have a, a, a lot of great talks. As usual, um, some of the speakers we have uh, include um, Let's see, Kishiki Aranki, he's a senior developer at DBT Labs. DBT is a a big uh, data movement tool, data engineering tool. So he's going to be talking about DBT. Uh, We've got people like uh, Stephen Augustus, who is the head of open source at Cisco, uh, open source security foundation. We've got Deshaun Carter from uh, Spring Developer Advocate on VMware Tanzu, talking about um, multi-platform, multi-cloud. Uh, We've got our our own Drew DeCarn talking about UI and UX. Uh, He is, I believe, talking about um, doing um, web workers, or or I should say service workers, if I remember correctly. So he's talking about a technical topic there. Uh, We've got Richard Feldman coming back again. Um, A lot of really good speakers in here. Yehuda Katz coming in who created uh, Ember.js, worked on the Rust and Ruby teams, uh, and uh, also uh, is creator Starbeam.js, which is his talk. So just a lot of really good speakers. Um, very much worth your time, very much worth your money. If you are coming in from Philly, it's nice to actually get people together again. So uh, you know, we're doing an in-person conference, but also you can still watch it live remotely. So again, that's at phillyemergingtech.com and you know, get your tickets now before they sell out. But uh, one of the things I wanna talk about today, and the reason I, I, I brought Michael on, is Michael has a background in accessibility. In iOS, so I'd like to start off by just talking a little bit about um, you and and your background. So, Michael, why don't you tell people who you are?
1: Yeah, hey, I'm uh, I'm Michael. I uh, build and hack iPhone apps. Uh, so I've been uh, doing that since, I guess, like iOS six or so. Wow, it's been uh, been a bit over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, uh, as far as uh, accessibility goes, I'm not sure I necessarily consider myself an accessibility expert more than just an engineer who cares about accessibility and such. Mm -hmm. Um, Greatly stems from the fact that um, uh, lots of disabled people I care about, I'm disabled myself. Uh, I have uh, ADHD, which is a cognitive disability. Um, So uh, yeah, uh, software should be designed for everyone because over 30% of the world is disabled. Uh, so, uh, it's a, it's an important thing to implement, uh, and think about upfront when you're, when you're building your apps.
0: Okay. So why don't we set a baseline for the discussion then? So let's start just by talking about what the current accessibility standards are that we should care about as developers, especially on iOS.
1: Yeah. So, uh. In general, all software should generally conform to uh, the uh, World Wide Web Consortium's Web Content Accessibility Accessibility Guidelines. Uh, you might hear this often as the WCAG. Um, it has three levels to it. There's um, just A, AA, and AAA, each increasing in uh, uh, your. The, I guess you could say the quality of your implementation. Um, uh, that uh, in general, you should try try to aim for uh, level level AA. Uh, which is generally considered to be like baseline. Like I have good accessibility support. Um, uh, it's also what, um, many, uh, many court systems in the, I'm not a lawyer, so don't take, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, no problem. Uh, uh,
1: many, uh, many court systems across the world, including the United States, um, will, uh, will often require you to, uh, uh, to, to meet at least that depending on your specific circumstances and such. Um, uh, like I said, the uh, so the ADA uh, Americans with Disabilities Act requires you to do so. But uh, like I said, over about 30% of uh, of the world is disabled, uh, so you should generally not be closing yourself off to 30% of users anyway. Um, uh, likewise, on iOS specifically, uh, the Apple Human Interface Guidelines go into some uh, good uh, good depth about what's available on Apple platforms in specific. Um, you should generally read all of the human interface guidelines when you're designing an app anyway. It gives some great guidance and advice, but its accessibility uh, portions are also particularly detailed. Okay.
0: So um, in that case then, so, you know, you'd mentioned like the li- basically li- liability potential things here, right? So um, have you heard of specific cases that you can think of? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but reasons why companies get sued for ignoring some of these guidelines? Are you aware of any specifics?
1: Yeah. You know, so, uh, I mean, like I can, if you're, if you're looking for uh, recent cases, sure, mm-hmm. there's, um, uh, I, one of the big landmark cases about this was I think like five or six years ago, um, uh, Twitter lost before the Supreme court on this. Uh, I forget exactly what the, what the, uh, the case was, It is, but essentially it was the U S court system uh, affirming that yes, the Americans with disabilities act does apply to, software, uh disabled people do have a right to access in the digital world as well as the physical. Um uh recently they've been uh litigating through um this isn't really as much of a problem on iOS in particular, but lots of websites uh there are um there are companies out there which will their product is to add like an overlay to your website or if you ever go on a website and see the little like uh, blue circle with the human, like the Da Vinci drawing in it, at the bottom. Often, you'll be able to click on that, and you get like a pop-up with a bunch of options. Um, mm-hmm. that, those often do more harm than good. Yeah. Um, so uh, they uh, they've they've been litigating whether um, that represents a site making their best effort to be accessible and conform to the ADA. Um, different courts have ruled different ways as i think the general consensus is turning into that that's not enough um though like i said that's not really that common on ios because there hasn't been uh those 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 companies generally haven't shipped mobile sdk it's more of a web thing right now
0: got it okay all right so um you had some things we were just kind of like talking pre pre comparing notes and things like that um so, some of the things you think developing teams might want to be doing to kind of keep top of, uh, keep track of things and accessibility. What do you, what do you think would help out uh, a, a set of developers in kind of improving their accessibility and and communicating and things like that?
1: Yeah. So, first and foremost, it is very important that you actually get feedback from disabled users. Um, uh, because this, I think this is a common problem that all engineers face when you're, when you're building your own things or, or just building things in general, um, you, you write software for yourself and think, well, I'm a user. Then that's good enough for uh, testing usability, but it's really not because there's not really, no, nobody, nobody is the same as any other, as any other person. I read this quote um, an hour or two ago about like um, uh, a, a swimmer, a surfer, uh, a submariner, uh, et cetera, Jacques Cousteau, all understand the ocean, but they understand it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, uh, and so uh, your, your, your perspective alone isn't sufficient to ensure that you are building truly accessible software. You need to make sure that uh, people who actually have the disabilities you are designing for um, uh, use the features that you are, uh, that you're building uh, it's actually usable for them because it's actually sem- fairly easy to build an experience that feels accessible to you but isn't actually accessible to the people who need it. Um, likewise, there is a uh, great tool in, uh, the, uh, in Xcode. Um, if you go into the, uh, uh, the like, developer tools section, uh, it's where you'll find stuff like the simulator, file merge instruments. Uh, there's also the accessibility inspector uh which uh will automatically audit your app uh on uh or at least the screen that's open uh Mm -hmm. on uh your conformance to various WCAG guidelines um how well uh you're using system accessibility features and it'll flag issues for you now that'll often give a lot of false positives so take those with a grain of salt but it's a great way to get going um Uh, Generally, I would run that before uh, making a pull request. If I'm reviewing a PR, uh, we'll run that. Make sure that is generally conformant. Like I said, use your head because it will flag some false positives sometimes. Um, Yeah, uh, audit it. Have uh, have a person who uh, actually uses the features you're building audit it. Um, Pay attention to it as you build because it's really important to do it from, from the beginning. It's not really something you can just add on later. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot easier if you think about it from the start and uh, build it with it in mind from the start.
0: Okay. Um, now, you've been working with iOS since iOS 6, right? So um, I know that iOS has gone through lots of like evolution. Uh, you were developing on you know uh, Objective-C and C++ and things like that in the past. Um, And then it's moved into Swift and the various versions have changed, like skeuomorphism went away. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the journey like with dealing? I mean, how long have you been working, first of all, with the accessibility stuff? And are you aware of like as iOS matured, how it went with accessibility over time?
1: Yeah. So uh, over time, Apple has added a lot of interesting features that oftentimes you don't necessarily need to do anything. Uh, from a developer stand form, uh, standpoint. Like okay. uh, some of the most re- revolutionary uh, revolutionary accessibility features that have come around have been like, um, uh, I remember a few years ago, they added this feature where it divides the screen into grids and then say, tap this uh, thing. Uh, and uh, so that in, prior to that, um, there really wasn't a great way to uh, use apps uh, that didn't think about accessibility whatsoever, uh, but it opened up a whole new world that's, it, ma- it makes it at least like possible to to do things with it. Uh, I'm not saying that you should, that it's not important to think about the accessibility APIs anymore of because of yeah. that, um, but it at least is a shim to uh, uh, make it possible if uh, if you don't. That was a fairly big thing over the years. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, as time progressed, I think the uh, one of the bigger ones uh, in recent years has been just the advent of SwiftUI, uh, the way uh, Swift UI uh, works uh, as opposed to UI. So UIKit was a very imperative uh, UI framework. Um, so uh, you had like it reads like label dot text equals uh, dot frame equals um, uh, do this rather than I want an interface that looks like this. And so right, when you right. have a declarative descriptive kind of UI definition language. it allows uh, the system, to infer lots more things about uh, how your content is laid out and how it should uh, be interpreted by the accessibility tree. Um, of course, very uh, other uh, other great things that uh, you can uh, use have been uh, introduced. Um, uh, I had one in my mind a second ago, but like I said, I am disabled and have. I know how that works. Yeah,
0: my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, one of the big ones I use all the time. It was added in iOS 15. Uh, nice. This isn't an a- uh, an uh, API thing, but um, uh, it has uh, background sounds. Uh, so you, uh, so for people with cognitive dis- disabilities like me, this white noise can really. Uh, oh yes. Sort of calm down my thoughts and focus them into one thing. So I use that a lot when I'm developing um, uh, just in iOS 16. They added um, it will attempt to add live captions to any uh, video audio content system-wide uh, that you can turn on. That's still they marked as beta, but uh, it can be very helpful. Um, uh, so yeah, certainly grown over time. Apple has been putting a lot of work into, uh, making it such that you don't have to do as much to have good accessibility support, um, which is great because you can control things from the system and not have to think about as, uh, as much.
0: Right. Right. Um, And, and in terms of like, you know, the actual like writing tests and things like that for some of these things. So Hmm. obviously getting people who have the disabilities that they're struggling with the use of system is really important because you want, you want to make sure that the interactions go well. But are there ways to test some of these features um, from a testing framework perspective as well?
1: So actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Because uh, the, um, way, uh, the way that UI tests work on, uh, on iOS, and I believe Android as well, that actually goes through the accessibility tree. So building a good accessibility, um, uh, good accessibility support uh, makes your regular code more maintainable also. Because if you are going to write things like UI tests, which you absolutely should do, you have to uh, have good accessibility support because XE UI test reads the accessibility to tree to uh, know whether or not things are on screen, what things say, et cetera. It works just like voiceover does. Now accessibility is way more than just voiceover. And this is one of those, those examples, Uh, all accessibility tech, like switch, switch control, read from this tree. So making sure that you uh, configure it well, set your labels, uh, set identifiers, et cetera, uh, is, really important, and it can lead to, uh, it generally will lead to more maintainable, uh, easier to read and reason about code, uh, just in general.
0: And um, between iPad and uh, iPhone, um, if you're writing those apps, are there different things you need to approach based on the form factors, um, or is it just really stick to good accessibility guidelines and uh, you're going to have the same issues with both types of platforms?
1: So iPad OS is just a marketing name for iOS. Like, right. It's the same software, same apps, uh, et cetera. Uh, iPad does give you more screen real estate to play with. Uh, so I was
0: thinking, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, if you uh, turn up your dynamic type setting, for example, which is um, uh, for those who aren't iPhone users, uh, it's where you can set like your base font size uh, right. in, the, in the system. Um, uh, for if you... Ha- so, you'll have lots more room for like very super tall uh, text sizes. However, you also need to consider that um, iPad OS allows for like multi window apps. Uh, so, right. you have uh, apps in like a slim bar uh, on, on one side that's basically an iPhone form factor. Um, uh, so, you still need to consider that. Generally, the guidance is uh, if you have like horizontal layouts. Um, uh, Swift UI and UIKit both exposed, like, uh, are you using an accessibility font? Uh, and if so, you should generate, switch to a vertical layout, uh, in those cases, uh, to make more room for text to expand and wrap. Uh, you should be making sure your text can wrap by the way, because UI label by default, uh, only has one line. Um, oh, yes. is a, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't appreciate that. But, uh, that should be zero by default, so it can scale to whatever is uh, necessary. Likewise, I think it defaults to um, the truncation mode to be just like make an ellipsis. Uh, in general, that should pro- that should always be word wrap. So one of the first things I do whenever I start a new project uh, uh, is I extend UI label or make a subclass or something uh, to set those so I don't really have to think about it up front. Uh, that said... Um, Swift UI uh, does the reasonable thing by default here. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, text will wrap, grow however big it needs, take as many lines as it needs, so you don't have to think about as much with Swift UI. Um, Also, make sure you are always putting your views in, like uh, making your screens root scroll views. Uh, There really shouldn't ever be a view that uh, just doesn't scroll uh, because as text grows things will get forced off the off the screen because uh, you can't just think about when you're when you're building an app uh, that i mean you're going to support iphone in almost always um you don't have to i guess uh but even on an ipad think about like ipad mini on that small form factor turn yep. out the font really big things are going to get shoved shoved off the bottom uh and then like critical controls won't be accessible critical information won't be readable um so it's really important to always put your the root of your hierarchy that's being displayed in a, in a, in a, scroll view as well.
0: How about when you're designing the application? So I'm thinking of, you know, for example, people with low vision or or blind, um, you can't see what about like how you design the application usability and access to things, are there things you want to avoid doing in an iOS application that maybe if you weren't aware of that you wouldn't do?
1: So... Avoiding doing, um, in general, when I've been working with designers, it's just been helpful when the designer thinks about it in general, uh, mm-hmm. because I've, I've had to go back and uh, say things like, uh, like, oh, what, what do I do in this case with these accessibility settings turned on and designers are just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is is never helpful because then I have to make a decision as an engineer and I'm not a designer, so I might right. not make the best decision. Um I think in uh to think about things that like no no's that I've uh gotten that I've uh seen recently. Um uh I was uh I was uh, working with a client where we had um a uh a view where um uh I was like to do this, click here. Um uh, that here bit is provides a, that's, that's, that's not a good accessible experience because a here is not a big word. That's not a big tap area. Right. Generally, if you have something that's tappable on screen, it should be at least 44 by 44 pixels. Uh, that's the minimum area that like even a normal, like non-disabled human can target with their, uh, w- with their finger. So if you have uh-huh. like motor, motor disabilities, uh, for example, like that's going to be very hard or like very visual spatial disability where like things move around on you. That's, that's you're not going to be able to target that easily. Likewise, um, if you are, are a voiceover user, um, uh, screen reader, uh, you can set the, uh, they, it has this concept of a rotor um, uh, in which uh, you can, so like imagine you have like a really long like news article, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you have headlines, subheadlines, a bunch of body text, maybe some ads and places, links to go other... That's that's a lot of stuff going on. So if you're going to be swiping through that and having the your phone read each and every one of those to you, it's going to take a very long time to uh, get through a whole article webpage like that. So in order to mitigate that, uh, you can set... Um, voiceover to tell you, okay, I only want the headings right now, or I only want body content right now. One of those options is links. So imagine you get to, you're going through the, uh, link filter or the link rotor with voiceover, and you get to a link that just says here, what are you supposed to do with that? Um, uh, so, uh, that's a, that's a big one I've seen recently. Um, uh, Generally, voiceover tries to parse the screen for you uh, and it does a relatively good job, it goes from top left to bottom right. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be thinking about what uh, what users of voiceover, et cetera, will be, will be hearing when they use each of those rotors. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of settings that you should be conforming to, like reduce motion, for example. Like uh, if you have some really complex um uh, pretty animation, uh, like looks great, cool. But if I have like epilepsy or something, for example, that could kill you. Uh, so, uh, you need to make sure you're respecting reduced motion, have a good, uh, have a good, um, experience. If you have that turned on just like any of the other, um, uh, settings, um, uh, another great one, um, do your best to make sure you are differentiating UI elements without using solely color. Um, uh, because colorblind people exist. I remember, um, uh, this is anecdote story, but, um, I remember I grew up in suburban Nashville. Mm-hmm. I live in out in Boulder, Colorado now, but, um, I, when I was in, uh, when I was in Nashville, uh, my, uh, my church that I was going to at the time, we went on this, uh, retreat out to, uh, if you know the area, Fall Creek Falls State Park, um, it's a, um, uh, there's a waterfall in the middle of the forest, uh, a bunch of hiking trails, very, very beautiful area. We went out there in the, uh, in the fall time, uh, which is a funny time to go to Fall Creek Falls, but anyway. Ever <laughs> <laughs> proved <Apropos> nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. The, um, uh, so all the, all the leaves were turning orange and red. It was very beautiful um i actually didn't know one of the guys that i was there with was uh was colorblind um mm-hmm. I, I just never known that about him even those uh, years and so we were hiking along one of these hiking trails and he um they uh we we stopped for a second because they had these uh binoculars so you could look out over the valley with all the trees and the leaves changing and the waterfall in the background um and uh they had just installed a couple of those like stationary binocular things that had um, chroma lenses on it, so colorblind people could see the color and the beauty of the state park. While oh, that's we were there. Great. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and so uh, he looked through it, and he w- he was talking about it for like three days afterwards. That's so cool. It was, yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, but anyway, uh, for people like him, it's important you differ- differentiate UI elements without using uh, colors because that won't be meaningful to. Uh, people who can't perceive color. Now there is a setting you can turn on uh, in settings that like specifically flags, uh, like I need you to differentiate things without colors. So you can often get away with building UIs that uh, use color uh, as markers, uh, but you need to always respect that flag. I think one of the best examples I've seen of it recently is um, in the fitness app, which is like activity on Apple Watch, uh, the, the like rings thing. Mm-hmm. Um notice all the all the rings are like the red one's your move ring, the green one's your exercise ring, the blue one's your stand ring. they all have icons here as well, oh right, yeah, denote like this one's standing this one's exercise this one's just calorie burn right um, uh so that's a good example also i yes I did exercise this morning just to uh show <laughs> that um yeah. But yeah uh, you should gener- just it greatly involves being aware of what settings are available and making sure that when, when if you're going through a design think about like oh will this run contrary to one of those um, likewise think about the people who are going to be using this above all else um, will this trigger something in someone that or will someone not be able to perceive this how can I mitigate that yeah um,
0: Right. Reduce flashes, for example, for triggering people that way. And, you know, if you have too many flashes a second, that's a real problem. So if your alerts flash on the screen, you have a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Not such a great idea, you know. And, you know, I, I know I had a family member with Parkinson's and was trying to, at the time, trying to get them to use an iPad. And we had to turn on all the you know, slow tap features and things like that just to get it to work. And it was something that you didn't think about unless you ran into someone with that disability um, or yeah, just had sure. been exposed to it. So, yeah, it's good to know that there's like the auditing features that exist as well in Xcode. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's this be cool. super helpful. Mm-hmm. And those are really good tips, by the way, too. Um, in terms of like color schemes and things like that, like you were talking about, like, you know, the, the differentiators for people who are colorblind or low color, Or low vision, Um, are there things that you work with a designer on for that? Like where you can, uh, or is it more now? It's more automatic when you go into low color mode. The the iPad it tries to make, or iPhone tries to make them more contrasty by default.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, accessibility is generally a design discipline. Uh, Like we can Mm. we can do this. Uh, We like we have to care about it as engineers as well because we have to implement it but uh, designers should really be the ones uh, thinking about this um, and uh, leading, leading the charge on what, uh, what the app should do with uh, various accessibility experiences because it's a first-class part of the interface. Just like you wouldn't ship an app with, like, I don't know, the the, the whole screen was red and wouldn't do anything. Like, that's not that's- you, you, that, that, that's imagine if like Twitter or Facebook or something did that, I'd be in the Washington post. Yes. Uh, so if your app doesn't work with voiceover, that's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your app doesn't work with any accessibility feature, that's exactly the same thing. That's an a one uh, like you need to fix this immediately hot fix kind of, kind of issue. Um, now I know I went off on a side tangent there. Um, I sort of forgot your original question.
0: (laughs) It was about colors and and like color schemes and things like that. Oh, yeah. Cool. (laughs) Um, uh, Because I've seen plenty of applications where you look at it and go,
1: who who came up with that scheme, man? (laughs) Yeah. So um, they generally the content, I think it's four to five, 4.5 to one ratio of uh, Mm -hmm. like black to white uh, to be to be legible. Um, don't quote me on that. I think the WCAG says it, sure. and enumerates it exactly. Um, this is one of the things the, uh, accessibility inspector will flag, uh, mm-hmm. for like, uh, this text is too like illegible against this color background. Low contrast. Uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, W3 has been, uh, also recently redefining exactly what, excuse me, uh, ratios there and how they're calculated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, I think four 4.5 to one is the general standard. Um, that said, um, that, uh, so as well, um, iOS supports both like light mode and dark mode. Um, mm-hmm. that isn't built as an accessibility feature, but it's absolutely something that people use for accessibility. Um, uh, so like, People with low vision could have an easier time with light mode because bright background, uh, puts more light onto their retinas and makes text stand out better and dark mode could be great for people who like get migraines example, for example. Um, so, um, uh, you should definitely be thinking about supporting both of those. Um, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of apps recently that do, but, um, uh, you should definitely be thinking about that. Um, uh, too uh, too sharp contrast um, can be a problem as well. Like I just mentioned, like if you get migraines, um, then um, flashing high contrast things will often trigger one of those, um, and that would be bad to do to your users. Um, uh, so you know, it, it
0: amazes me sometimes when I'm, and, and this is not an accessibility thing, but it's more of a, to, from someone who doesn't think they are using that feature yet. But my eyes are starting to degrade as I get older. And like, I know that if I try to read an article in like white text on a back background, mm-hmm. and because you could do that, you can kind of invert it. Um, it hurts. Like, I mean, I get after images. It's like hard to digest mm-hmm. um, the, the text. You can't focus on them because you're so, uh, it's such a bright, searing, intense white against like, mm-hmm. this really dark background. And it really kind of like is jarring to me. But I flip it over. And for whatever reason, for me, the light background is better with the dark text. So, yeah. more like what a book has, <laughs> you know. So, I understand. I, I've I've been the type of person who always has the light backgrounds too. Um, and some people look at me and go,
1: "How can you work with that bright background?" I'm like, well, I can see everything. You know,
0: yeah, so knows, exactly. You know,
1: that's a that's a that's a great example of it. Um, so, it's important to support both of those. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, in 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 settings, you can also turn on. Um, in the, in the olden days, you just had pure like invert colors,
0: uh-huh. uh, where right. it
1: would, uh turn all the whites black and all the blacks white, but also all the oranges blue and all the reds green. Uh, yeah, uh, it also it, it's a, they they support smart invert now, which attempts to just invert um, text and backgrounds and not things like images. Um, but that isn't perfect. It would be much much better to support uh, just light and dark mode as is anyway, um, which uh, isn't actually all that hard. Um, UIKit and SwiftUI both do a lot of that work for you. If you use, um, rather than setting label colors to like black or white, for example, just set it to like system background or foreground. Like
0: color. Primary or whatever it is, yeah, right.
1: Right, and so you uh, both UI color from UIKit and color from SwiftUI uh, will know... Um, that it should be respecting the system, light, dark, uh, lighter dark mode setting. Uh, So without you having to write any more code, it will automatically be white in light mode, be black in dark mode, or vice Mm -hmm. versa. Um, uh, So uh, yeah, semantic colors are important. Use those. Um,
0: Cool. That's great. How about um, in terms of as your your talking about this and researching this and you know looking into the features are there particular like websites podcasts books that you uh would recommend to people to look at
1: yeah so there was uh, you asked me this question last night and mm-hmm. my mind instantly went blank even though there are a billion things in there that sometimes <laughs> happens with tech because like
0: you work with it every day and you don't need that guide but then
1: when it's time Wait. to tell somebody else you're like what do i tell them that
0: I don't need to read anymore because I already know this chunk of beginning material, you know, that sometimes can be a challenge for this stuff. I found one book I was wondering if you heard about, Shelley Brisbane, iOS Access for All. Have you ever heard of that one?
1: Um, I'm certain I have before. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I she's been doing it
0: for of- every version of iOS since I don't know how long ago, but uh, she keeps updating it every time there's a new release. It's a 10th edition of this thing, and it looks like it's a really good guide um now I, I don't know if it's a programming guide or more of a user guide uh, i have to check into that but that's one thing so i don't know
1: yeah sounds like a great read i generally get lots of my news um just from uh following specific accessibility designers uh, yeah. and disabled people uh on social media like twitter mastodon etc i think one of my favorite bots recently has been um at a11y awareness uh, hmm. A11Y, uh, that actually grew out of, um, uh, you'll hear abbreviations like that sometimes, like I18N. Yeah,
0: internationalization, yeah. Um, yeah
1: exactly, <laughs> that, that that actually grew out of the early days of Twitter and things like internationalization accessibility communities growing on Twitter, which is yeah. for, it's for having a character limit, and accessibility is a really long word, so if you use that two or three <laughs> times in the tweet, uh, then you'll run out of space fast to actually write your tweet. So it gets shortened to A11Y. Total side tangent. I know that's so anyway. <laughs>
0: and that's <laughs> on Mastodon too, you said now?
1: Yeah, it's on cool. uh, uh at A11Y Awareness on Twitter. Um mm-hmm. uh at A one one awareness at disabled dot social on Mastodon's a good one. Um uh let's see I talked to um uh there's a Rob Whittaker gave me a lot of guidance on this. Um, uh, Accessibility London does stuff uh, fairly frequently. Um, uh, Also keep up to date on just the Apple human interface guidelines. Um, They update those every year, every time they release a new operating system with uh, guidance on how to use all of it. Um, And the uh, worldwide Web consortium as well, the people who do WPC and the WCAG regularly publish updates. In fact, they're uh, they actually have a draft of a new version of WCAG set to go be published, um, finalized uh next month. Um so now's a good time to get in on that and get feedback if give feedback if you want to do that.
0: That's uh, version three, I think. Is that right? Is that right?
1: I forget if it was, they're doing or two two one, two. one or two. I don't know. Or 2.2 If it's going to be three, I think yeah, I was flipping
0: like- through and I have no idea whether I'm right about that. I'm completely pulling that out of like quick searches, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who I knows? Think, yeah, I think
1: three is in development, 2.2 okay. is what they're staging for next month.
0: So, and this person, Shelly, um, uh, Whit- Shelley Whitaker, I forgot already the name. I'm so sorry, it's terrible of me. Um, but anyway, her, her book, uh, she was saying that like up until recently. Accessibility didn't, and this is 2020 with this podcast I was listening to, she was talking about this, she said up until about 2020, uh, Apple didn't actually have a, a whole section of their user guide on accessibility, mm-hmm. then they finally said, you know what, now with enough, you know, these changes and all these things mm-hmm. they've been making, that they actually now have a whole section of the guide on accessibility. So absolutely, go to the user guide, look at all the things that can be done and that you can then respect and use and take advantage yeah. of your applications.
1: 100%. When, uh, when, uh, the, the human interface guidelines generally try to surface relevant information as you're getting to it. So if you're mm-hmm. at the part on um, like rendering text in a label, then they'll mention things like here's how you do it when the user is using a right to left language. Here's how you do cool. it when the user has various accessibility settings. Uh, and so it used to be uh, they uh, only had accessibility settings or accessibility information. Um, Uh, in line throughout the guide like that, but they did make a uh, a separate accessibility setting or section um, uh, fairly recent, like you said, in 2020, that generally enumerates good guidance uh, and mindset in your designing. Uh, The WWDC videos on accessibility, there has a whole um, uh, section on accessibility. Like that's a a tag you can filter for. Uh, Those are also very, very good, Um, often better than the Apple documentation. Um, uh, I should note when you're, when you're looking for, when you, when you're designing content, um, it's great to have it in different formats, um, like text, video, yeah. like video, um, because, um, I, I've, I've read, unfortunately few books on programming because one of the features of ADHD is that I just don't have the attention span to read a book.
0: Uh, yeah. I but, understand that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Things like, um, uh, well, like this, we can go back and look at this recording mm-hmm later uh, hopefully there are people watching right now that are getting benefit from this Um, I can put on a video and do something else with my hands and then that calms enough of my brain that the brain the part of it my brain that wants to think about accessibility can listen to this video and gain from it Uh, different formats and things like that help too yeah
0: for sure absolutely yeah Cool. All right. Well, that's that's a really good kind of introduction. I know we might have a few more uh, podcasts coming up in the future. We'll see. If we can like line them up for talking about iOS in other areas too. So it'd be great to kind of bring you on another time or two and see uh, what you want to talk about.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. I can. I'm uh, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm very passionate about the software. I care a lot about the users and engineers I work with and the software I build. So I can uh, be happy to come back and yell about plenty of different topics.
0: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. All right, Michael. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, being our guest. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time.
0: All right. Thank you very much. And for everybody, we'll see you soon in a couple weeks.